The following is the intro to episode 53 of the Pool and Hawk Sports Show. Tonight we will be celebrating our one year anniversary since the inception of this very program. I hope all of y'all are having a Merry Christmas Eve as we are recording this and a happy Happy holidays from our family to yours. Fans of the Bull and Hawk Sports Show, this is episode 53, recording here on Christmas Eve 2020. Had a nice Christmas Eve, watched some various Christmas movies with my family, went shopping with my dad at the fashion outlets in Rosemont, and opened Christmas presents a few hours ago. Got a lot of fun presents, exciting ones. And now I am ready to roll with DJ Bandit Bull and start talking about the Chicago Bulls. Oh, yes. I myself did not watch a single holiday movie yet. I was watching a movie earlier. finally got around to watching The Greatest Showman, which was showing on the home of... NBA Christmas Day, that is ABC. So, decided to talk about the Bulls, and uh, that was a very good film. Um, definitely different seeing uh, Zendaya and Zac Efron and uh, you know, Michelle Williams, and especially Wolverine, Logan himself, Hugh Jackman, in that sort of role, so to speak. And I thought that it was very enjoyable and that I, I still got that spirit from watching it. I got that spirit. Uh, for this day, I haven't opened presents. I, myself, we don't traditionally, we have in the past though, you know, for the last few years, we haven't put up a tree. So that means we don't really wrap our presents, um, and so it's more so a thing that we do between our cousins and my aunts and uncles when we go over. Uh, for us, immediately at home, we, we don't usually, you know, give gifts unwrapped um, early, which we, we did um, some wrapped a few days ago uh, over the weekend. So we have uh, already given uh, exchanged or um, have out already so all that's left is for tomorrow when we have our um, you know the food and sharing and everything all right let's get into the Chicago Bulls versus Atlanta Hawks recap 
NBA season started on Tuesday, and the Bulls' first game of the year was on Wednesday against the Hawks at the United Center at home. And a few things definitely to start off. It was a dismal opening night to the 2020-2021 regular season for our Chicago Bulls. And I was a little bit worried as a fan and as a basketball junkie about Trey Young. He is a excellent shooter, excellent passer, the heartbeat of Atlanta Hawks, very deadly. If you sag off him, play shitty D, he can make you pay. And he made. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember Superman Howard made such jokes with that very letter, though. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, also, the quick brief on just rumblings on the Hawks being way better this season yep. as a team. It's tough to fear. Yes. The Atlanta Hawks have been making some new signings. They got new pieces to add to the core of Trayon and John Collins. They signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, good shooter, good above-average defense on the perimeter. They also signed former Bulls players Chris Dunn, Ray John Rondo, and Tony Snell. They got all those guys onto the Hawks, and none of them played so that's kind of too bad. None of them played, but they are on the Hawks roster. They also have rookies. If, if he is, um, I don't think he played they either. They have a, a, a Kevin Huerta. Right. Uh, I believe he's been on for a little bit. And then uh, rookie Onikia Okamu, power forward. Yeah. He, he didn't play. I think he was injured. Right. Off the Trojans, uh, USC. So, right, he did not not play yet. And this Hawks team is a good scoring threat with Treyon leading the charge. And I've been saying for a while how I want to see more out of on pivoting to the Bulls. I want to see it more out of Wendell Carr Jr. as a inside in the paint big man. He is almost seven feet. He's six ten, six eleven, six ten probably. And Wendell Carr Jr. if he can make more muscle in the paint, get get in charge down low, we can have more success. But a lot of times he's used as a perimeter threat, and he can make them sometimes. He doesn't make the shots all the time. And to be honest, he looked overmatched in this game. Right. And I thought he was pretty bad overall. Can he rebound? Maybe. But I like I like um Wonderkar Jr. So I think it might have just been an off night. So do I. I believe that as well. And he was actually attempting a few blocks that were not successful. Yeah. But I can't blame all on Wendell Carter Jr. Zach Levine offensively looked great. 
Defensively, that's never been his calling card, but he looked completely overmatched guarding Trey Young. But obviously, that's not the first guy who that was said about had overmatched guarding Trey Young. He's one of the best shooters for a reason. But yeah, Young is not is no big man. Nope. Yeah. Levine uh, towers over him. Yeah, Levine's a lot bigger, but it didn't help. As a guarding though, that's that's quite a. Uh... Daunting task and uh, dynamics there. It's quite, uh, you know, underdog. Young, no matter what, is yet he, you know, he finds a way to get into that uh, that gear. And one reason why the Bulls were so lackluster and allowed so many free pointer attempts by Trayana and the Hawks offense was they countered with a Less aggressive defensive scheme which saw their centers such as Jan Gafford, Wanakar Jr. drop back instead of stepping up to force Treyon off their three point line. And it gave him enough time and space to dissect their porous D and make many shots which he attempted and were banked in. And the Bulls are trying to get to a new defensive Jim Boylan. Jig, Jim, big boy Boylan fired. Now Billy Donovan. His defensive methods are different, of course, than big boy Boylan's. But the Bulls' lackluster defense that haunted them all last year still haunted them in this game. And I thought they looked better against the OKC Funder, but that's a, a shitty team. And this is a better team than the Funder, and they looked like they were able to easily dissect the weak points of our defense and make us pay, which we paid for it. And also, I want to give credit to Kevin Hurter of the Hawks. He was able to make his limited shots count from three-point line especially. Good job by him. He's not a sexy name by any means, but he played well, and that's all I can ask for a guy coming off the bench. And... I don't want to be alarmist by any means say, oh no, the Bulls' defense is shitty yet again. But also I want to be realist that maybe it still needs tinkering out, worked on, fixed, to try to get it completely up to snuff with other quality NBA teams. And we'll definitely see that on the game Saturday against the Pacers if our defense is still crap or we're able to neutralize the Pacers' Key Cogs and Victor Oladipo and Miles what Turner. Yes. Need to give up uh, yeah. their, our points. Yeah. And yeah, to your point that you need we need that we need that extra boost and I wonder what it will take for us to go up you know to match up against. The Pacers are, I believe they're, you know, they're quite in the middle. Yeah, they're middle of the pack. For the Eastern Conference. So, for predictors, we can uh, look to, well, based on their preseason record and theirs yesterday, they actually triumphed over the Knicks. Right. A very similar score to how... Bulls, Bulls perform, 
and yet the preseason uh, wasn't uh, very looked more grim. So it's now down to you, down to us to really think about like how they would match up against uh, Pacers players such as Oladipo. They have Turner, Sabonis, TJ Warren, Brogdon, and such. They also have former Bull Doug McDermott, as well as Justin Holiday. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Sabonis and um, TJ Warren. I think they both play well, especially Sabonis. He's a good player. Right. And fun fact that Holiday, if you remember him, he has been on the Bulls twice. Right. Back in 2016, he was actually on the Hawks for a year in 2015, as well as back in 2017 for two years uh, through last year. So he is rather newer signee, so to speak, to Indiana. So he actually is an NBA champion as he won with the Warriors, uh, yeah, with Golden State Warriors back in 2015. So, name that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's to see, because he actually... Um, he actually... Yeah, after defeating the Cavs in six, and he he didn't really contribute. No, I think he played. Yeah, he was part of it for fifty nine games overall. Um, back in twenty fourteen, uh, averaging four point two points per game. And with the Bulls, he was actually traded. A uh, very very interesting dynamic ties in to today's NBA climate with. Uh, back in 2016, uh, the first time, uh, Holiday was actually part of a three-team trade that was involving the Hawks and the Utah Jazz. And he actually made a start um, a month after that. And so that was with D-Rose being out and injured. And he actually had that season high with 38 minutes of action, 14 points, four rebounds, one assist, two steals. Two blocks, though, with a loss against Miami Heat, which is Jimmy Butler's current team. And uh, Bulls' finale back in April that year, uh, he actually scored a career-high 29 uh, for us in a win over the 76ers, which is CJ Hawks, uh, one of his uh, other favorite teams. And I believe for him, he continues that momentum right here. Um, back in 2017, he, uh, re-signed with the Bulls, second stint, um, and he led 26 points against a loss, though. Yeah, I guess in the beginning, usually it's a loss, though. He actually contributes quite a bit with 26 points that time, and then, uh, actually, he made his career best back in 2018, uh, year before, uh, he was about to head out. Uh, he had seven three-pointers, 25 points over... A win, they got got their backs against the wall uh, in their rematch against Miami Heat. Um, so very, very, very good. Um, with that, he he's made some more uh, moves. You know, went to the Grizzlies and now um, back with uh, well for the first time. Um, he actually 
is on the Pacers, and they actually uh, unite with his brother, Aaron Holiday, who is on the team as well. So his, his brother is a point guard, and he is actually known as a – he's part of the Pac-12 All-Defensive Team, part of the third team All-American. That's part of uh, Sporting News. That is part – that is uh, owned by Dazen. And he was selected back in 2018 uh, by the Pacers. So, uh, and one more thing about Holiday, looking into this, we can, um, you know, with the Bulls, um, you know, Levine, Mark and them, they've been here, um, been on the same team uh, as Holiday uh, during his time here. And one thing, uh, interesting stat as well, before we could go further with the Bulls, is that. He was from his year, uh, from 2017 to 19, 4-13 from three-point range and marking his 31st straight game with a made three-pointer, and that ties Kirk, Captain Kirk Heinrich for the longest streak in team history. He broke that record the next game. And uh, within that month, in December, to, uh, a year ago, he... The only player with at least one three-pointer in every game to begin the season. Uh, and his franchise record streak ended at 43 straight games. So he is a force to be reckoned with and definitely uh, one to look out for as we um, go into this next matchup, which we will talk about a little bit later. Yeah, and let's... Pivot back to the box score of the Bulls' loss to the Hawks. Some bright spots. Some of the few we had were Pat Williams making his first career start in the NBA. First start for the Bulls. The Florida State rookie. He contributed one assist, four rebounds, and 16 points. A great opening start for Pat he impressed me a lot in the preseason, which is preseason, of course. I know that argument. But 16 points is nothing to laugh at in an NBA debut. Fine performance by Pat. He's the kind of guy I've been looking for on this team. A guy who can guard well on the perimeter, can make some good rebounds, good spacer of the floor. A guy who can make his own shot and also give the ball up if need be. And so far, he's been showing that very useful guy to have on the team. Then, Otto Bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go go ahead. I, I was actually watching uh, a fellow podcaster that uh, he does uh, podcasting, I guess, on YouTube that he basically showed highlights of Pat Williams and that he uh, claimed that uh, based on what he's seen, of him through college, that the type of player he is is that he might not be all that lightning quick, speedy Gonzalez no. on that court. Yet he, uh, with his, uh, you know, with his sort of movement, like that is uh, something to to really go up against. Like he, uh, the way that he moves is uh, what makes him versus uh, how quick. He moves so like, um, and he makes it 
he makes things matter. I believe there's one where he he waits for the right moment, like someone's about to go for a block, and he uh, just about steps up and waits for a second or two, and then goes back up and uh, dunks it in uh, and gets it in. So, yeah. Did you now? Did you say fourteen that he scored? Sixteen. Yeah, sixteen is right. Yeah, sixteen is right. Some other bright spots. <laughs> Some other bright spots were Laurie Markkinen, twenty-one points, four assists, seven rebounds. Preseason he looked, <laughs> but to be honest, he looked a lot better offensively. Of twenty-one points in this game, he was able to get in the paint shots and also from deep. He had a nice bank shot later in the game that I saw in the highlights. It looked fun, and. This is the night that Larry Markinen returned. Let's hope. Let's hope he continues scoring twenty a game. That'd be awesome. Right, get him back to the days of back in twenty seventeen. Right. I know I was actually doing some research uh, and looking back at how when Markinen was extremely good, that you know before injuries. Uh, pelted him and his career high is against uh, the Knicks in the game back in 2017 or 18 uh, around in that season uh, and uh, he got uh, 33 and that um, that's, I believe the time that Taj Gibson uh, had left already so went up uh, guys like that and uh, so I believe we're, we're about to see that right now some other bright spots were Zach Levine chipping in 22 points he didn't do anything really passing only one says two rebounds but one of those reasons why was early in the game Zach Levine had to make his own shot a lot and create his own bucket not from a pass or assist from someone else. He had to make his own shots and take his own freeze and jump shots. He ended with only 22, but early on he had a lot. He was the driving offensive cog early on, but cooled off towards the end of the game. But it didn't really matter. The team was already easily going to lose by that point. True that. Makes me think of uh, was a game... Two or three of the NBA fans where the Heat were were really uh, behind, and they couldn't quite get up to it. You know, twenty plus points. And uh, side note that you mentioned how Levine wasn't uh, so he might have um, scored uh, a point more than Markinen though. Uh, Laurie Markin actually made for the first time in a while the graphic for the full game highlights. He did, yeah. For this game. Uh, via NBA YouTube channel, um, courtesy of them, um, and that's where you can find it uh, on the Google box score. So, <laughs> props to him. Yeah, and seven rebounds. Yeah, and I'd agree because I give him more credit because he contributed in the box score all around with the rebounding assists points and also 
Zach Levine, I hold a little bit harsher to him because I expect him to be great every game. And also, he was the main defense on Trey Young, and he played, let's be honest, the F quality against Trey Young. Right. I, I feel like at times he wasn't really trying, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I agree with that. And didn't even go for, you know, they don't want uh, the fat, like, block. There's some shots I believe they should have went for, and he just let it go. And, like, don't get me wrong, LeBron's always been good on, um, well, you say that for the Bears. So, like, we, we've been good working on for defense for a while, and, uh, you know, I was working on offense more, though. Like, for us, yeah, I expect Levine to do better. Um, especially, I mean, you should, you should know him quite well, you know, the last two years oh. so, uh, since, you know, we usually, I mean, we, not, not around this time, we usually are playing some other day, right? Like, uh, probably starting, like, the next week. So then, like, yeah, we usually begin the season in October, and um, I don't know if it's rustiness. Uh, we definitely look good preseason yet uh when the season starts we usually go up against you you guessed it the atlanta hawks <laughs> so i don't think that levine would be smarter and no uh trey and you know supporting cast if you will uh, some that have been there for us since then um a lot more um and not have to get that f quality as you say that uh that we, of course, don't want. So, yeah. Yeah. That all you say about Levine? Is there any other spots I'd, you think? Yeah, yeah I'll just say defense, F quality, offense, perfectly fine. 22 points on a better night for the team as a whole is fine. If Laurie Markkinen and Levine can average around 20, 25, and we have some guys off the bench, maybe, and some other starters get at least 15 or so, we might do better. But when the leading scorer only scoring 22, it's difficult to win. And I don't know. I just I think one of the problems was Kobe White's play wasn't great. He had seven assists, which is very good. But he was very turnover prone. And he only scored nine points and lot, some of those, four of those were free throws, so he only scored five points not from fouls. And right. even in the press conference with Coach John, Billy Donovan, they t- he talked about Kobe White and his step up. And in an article I read on ESPN, they mentioned how it's very difficult to adjust to becoming the starting point guard that has to lead the whole entire offense and lead the team. And this was his first career opening night first starting as a point guard Luigi came off the bench and um Tomas Sarmeski wasn't didn't play this game and I think he could have playing could have helped I don't want Kobe White to be benched I'm not saying that it's only one game that would be ridiculous but was the moment too big going up against Trey Young I don't know we'll see if he Calms down against the Pacers. Maybe he can find his footing. I have I have the the background on that <clears throat> with 
Coach Donovan, um, yeah, guarding Sadoransky and some others that we haven't seen quite yet. So, Coach said on Sadoransky in a post interview as well um, with the media scrum that that Sado, Denzel Valentine, and Garrett Temple they were missing uh, this matchup and that they missed it uh, because that the fact that he doesn't feel they were ready yet and that comes with uh you know with travel and uh you know quarantining there's a mention of uh you know that they barely came back from quarantining uh, at least uh one or two of them and uh passport clearance was also an issue um he feels that they weren't ready and that they want um, all three of them to make sure their conditioning is right as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Just to kind of like sum it all up, the team came out flat, lethargic, slow, and that is no recipe to begin a game. And my thoughts are this isn't like it was game 55 and it was like towards the end or the middle of the season. Where the team's been, yeah, the team's been playing nonstop, long season, tired, people getting off injuries. This was game one of the season for the Bulls, opening night at the United Center against Treyon in a rising Hawks squad. And if they can't get out of bed to play against the Hawks on opening night at the United Center, then I don't know what will get them out of bed. The whole team looked like. They were out of gas before the buzzer started, which is absurd. But hopefully that slow start was just this game, not a precursor for disaster. Yeah, let's move on to some more uh, um, opinion. Uh, Do you believe that the starting lineup was the correct starting lineup? That is a good question. I remember the preseason I talked about I thought this was the correct lineup of Levine, White, Carter, Markkinen, and Williams. And I think Markkinen played great, and I would keep him there, and I'll keep Zach Levine there because he's our best player, So, but to bench him would be absurd. And he scored 22 points. So I think Markkinen, Levine, and I think Pat and Otto are similar. I think Pat played great well enough. I'll keep him there. I'm worried more with the other two. Worried more with Wendell Carter and Kobe White. I think Kobe White, he showed some flashes. But this kind of drills home the point to me that he's so young. This is only his second year. And probably one of his only... Was this his second ever start? He's only started like two games. And pretty much the keys have been given to him now, whereas last season it was uh, Tomas Sanaransky and Kobe White was the understudy guy off the bench, sixth man, and now yeah, Fez Young. Now Kobe White is the point guard and he's the man. And yeah, he's the main, yeah. Yeah, the main man. But, yeah, I, I, I don't I know. They would have done, probably they would have done Sato to, if, if he was available. Right. Especially, I believe, at the same time, like, you know, Bulls look good last two, right? At least, on, uh, at least, you know, two of the games during preseason. And I believe White was, you know, tired from from those. Yeah. Those, 
those few and so like going into one once again like within what i don't know a few days or so like does that help uh so you know i remember that you know sure you remember earlier this year with his uh three straight games within like what two days apart or a day apart even that he was shining because of that and i know that um for them not being in regular games for quite a while um uh you know they proved everyone wrong with you know during the pre and now it's the time to put up or shut up and so i, I believe that you know he could have benefited with uh, those options right there with Sato. But yeah, um, I want to mention um, with Makoka, our boy, he, he returned. He deserved more minutes. Right, I was about to say, like, maybe he, uh, change up again, maybe have him start. It, his defense is very good. He's always driving, he's always giving 100% full effort, and... Most of the team looked like they're out of gas and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to be here." Whereas he didn't look like that from the highlights. And and he he's one of our few good perimeter defenders, and I feel like seventeen minutes isn't good enough. I know he's buried on the depth chart, and he will be buried when Denzel Valentine and Tomas Saransky and uh, Garrett Temple come back. I don't know how they're going to figure out. This roster, there's too many guys on this team who, in theory, will get minutes. And yeah, I'm worried that Makoka will join Felicio as like main main third stringer guy. What they need to do is put him ahead of Hutchison. I I'm not a fan of him. I still yeah. not. I know he had some sexy dunks in the preseason, but I'm still not a fan of him. We got, we got two for him. Uh, so, uh, would you put him, uh, I would say take the risk, put him, uh, um, you know, just overall in the roster with uh, ahead of Archie. I think Archie is the kind of guy who isn't flashy. He's not a... Arch of dimes. He's not a offensive threat. His passing is pretty good, not bad passer. But... He's kind of like a Tomas Sanaransky, a guy who doesn't make many mistakes, but it's not going to light up the scoreboard by any means. But I think, for me, the roster, how it should shake down with minutes. I know it's a difficult thing to make all the minutes work when you have a limited amount of minutes, but I think keep this starting five we went with for today for one more game to see. I don't want to blow it up right after one game because that's like too much to expect it to be um, like ready to go after one game and I liked Otto as the sixth man I don't have any problems with that so I'd keep him with the 23 minutes or so he got and I think personally I would probably give more minutes to Makoka depending on the opponent and I like Daniel. Fifteen minutes. Yeah, I like Daniel Ga- I like Daniel Gafford, but honestly, this was the wrong kind of matchup for him to get many minutes, because he's not very fast, and the Hawks pretty much play a faster pace. They have they have guys who are not like tall, tall like Cam Reddish. He's pr- okay height, 
and Gallinari. They have a lot of shooters, and the Bulls' off defensive scheme, their schema sagging off, backfired big time, and Dale Gafford was prone to that. Of course, it was he had to follow the game plan, but his slow post-game in your face D would work better against a different opponent, not this Hawks team. I don't know. I think we need to get Makoka more minutes, get um, Sato back into fans, give him more minutes when he gets back, because I'm a fan of his overall oh, yeah. play. And I think... And get uh, Garrett Temple. Yeah, I want to see what he can do, because he's a veteran point guard, shooting guard. He's been in the league for a long time. Oh, and, yeah. He's, he's excelled. Yeah. I believe he can, you know, he'd be like LeBron, like just play for a long time and still be good. Right? Like, yeah. I feel like he's on that level. Like, even though he's not that much. He's right. not that old, though. Like, no, no. Like, oh, yeah. Um, besides that, I yeah, don't know. definitely, I like, you know, you mentioned OP that, all right with the six man. He, he went, uh, he got us 14, and I look like the OP of old, right? Um, uh, which is uh, you know, fired that up. Uh, yeah, ice tray being too much for us. Too much. He hit 30, 37 on us. Was, uh, and uh, reddish and black diamond bitch with fifteen each. Solomon Hill. Uh, what's your opinion on him? Uh, he played quite. Um, didn't excel on the scoreboard though. Like you know, playing, you got twenty eight minutes. Um, on there. Is it too early? Uh, I think Solomon Hill's the guy you want on the team. He's not going to light it up. He's not going to score 50 a night or some crazy some crazy stats. But it's useful to have 6'4", 6'5", height, 6'3", height guys who can make shots. And even though he was didn't do anything in the, in the big minutes he had, he can score 10 points in a game if given the opportunity. So I wouldn't say that he's crap. I would just say that he had a bad game. Right, there's a feeling that I have to. And so, yeah, for now, he, uh, well, for this, in this one particular, the sixth man, uh, yeah, they, they might rethink and uh, have Bogdanovich uh, be that and uh, switch or maybe go, uh, don't change a thing, right? <laughs> so, yeah, give, give everyone a, a shot. And, yeah, I would say it's interesting that you mentioned one more time about um, OP being part of the starting lineup. If you to, if they, let's say they do change it for the next one, which we'll preview shortly, like, do you believe that um, that OP, if they, if they had to change one, one lineup, who would you change it from this game against the Hawks um, put, to put OP in? Well, I don't. Would not guys? Okay, I would not sub out Zach Levine. I would not right. sub out Lori Markkinen. And Otto can't play center. So due to necessity, I would keep Ronald Carter. Even though he played crap, I'd play him. keep him in the lineup. So the only two yeah. spots would be to sub out for Pat, which would make the most sense logistically-wise, right. or have um, 
I guess, him play shooting guard and Zach Levine at point, which I don't think that'd be a good idea. So I don't really know. I think the only place he could sub out would be Markkinen or Pat. For him, like, to be Williams, to be out there, like, I know that coach would say, and naturally, anyone, any fan would say, like, oh, he's a rookie, like, you go out there to get more experience, uh, just have him out. And we don't expect him to be, like, a starter right after that. And he has, and get this, he, for the Bulls, he actually had the most minutes out of everyone. Right, he did. At 33. So... Yeah, as Stacy King would say, as Coach he would say that like he's only gonna get better, he's only gonna get more comfortable on this Bulls team as uh, the games continue and that uh, you know time goes on. So I am a big believer in him. I really like him, and uh, let's say that since Whitehead off night, would you? Let's say they had to, for some reason, take White, put him as sixth sixth man. Let's say for Otto or for Makoko, would that be a just to give him, uh, uh, you know, some rest? I guess. Yeah, I don't know, cause the only other person who I would put in as a point guard since Kobe White's gone. Let's say he moved to sixth man. The only other point guard type on this roster would be to put in Archie or put in Sato, but according to Coach Donovan, Sato is not ready yet. So the only other option that would make sense at all in my mind would be to put Archie start, and I don't think that would be any better than Kobe White. So I think at this point, it's his um, ship, his job to lose. Let's say he rattles off 10 games of poor performances, then I might be saying... Especially in a short season, I might be saying it's time to get looking at Sato, maybe come back and get Kobe White time to be acclimated to this Billy Donovan offense. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Or or Garrett Temple. But like, right. I don't believe we're going to get him that soon uh, since he is. Is he actually, a point guard? He is. He is. Um, okay. He can also do shooting guard. Okay. Which is like uh, Levine. And uh, Makoka, so uh, versatile. Um, and yeah, he missed this opener. Um, if he, if Unsparty was on that, uh, still recovering. Uh, well, as of from ESPN two weeks ago, well, yeah. Uh, as of then, he was still recovering from COVID nineteen. So I believe they're not risking that. You know, not rushing him back. And uh, obviously, I believe after this week, you know, let's see fourteen days or so, you know, if they're going to additionally have him self-quarantine, as we all are <laughs> sick or not, though, yeah, really, like, have him uh, continue to, um, you know, self-quarantine and uh, be back sometime soon, though, um, according to NBC Sports Chicago, as of four days ago, um, he, uh, there, there's some chatter about how he can help the Bulls immediately after his practice debut, and he uh, he's uh, ready to go, according to Pippen and Easy, uh, also four days ago, um, for season opener, so we should expect him anytime now, though um, not anytime soon, as in probably not if the Bulls play next week, that 
early next week. Uh, I would expect them sometime later in the week um, after the holiday week uh, we're approaching. So and that's on Temple right there. Uh, so we do have some good pieces. It is quite stacked for us. Uh, and I like that we have that um, option to have him on, especially, you know, a veteran um, to be part of this. And one more thing, I would actually think about how what I said um, last couple episodes on the Bulls being going back to that those days where uh, D-Rose, <laughs> when they had, like, Joaquin and um, Taj, Mahal, Gibson, and all of them, like, let's be honest, like, they're so, they're such a good team overall that, like, remember I said about how they, their supporting cast or their um, bench was just as good as their starting lineup, so... If we can develop everyone to be as good, you know, it doesn't have to be every single one, though. Like, if you have, you know, at least three, four, five of those solid that are usually on the bench for the Bulls, get them at the level that, you know, stars are, and so you can kind of not have to rely on having so much minutes as we were about, like, for the starters that are usually the regulars, um, and kind of help, you know, basically at that time, having D-Rose be able to sit out for, like, 15 minutes and then come back, and so, like, you basically don't overwork, like, in today, like, a Zach Levine or a Larry Markinen, right, so, um, I believe that's something that we should do, and, uh, we'll be better for it, uh, we get that level, though, I don't know how much time it could take, uh, I remember you do say that this year is uh, to give Zach Levine one year. So uh, this uh, season uh, is Levine's year. Yeah, I think we did a good job of covering the Bulls' loss against the Atlanta Hawks. And stay tuned for our recap of the Pacers-Bulls game on Saturday. Hopefully the Chicago Bulls can bounce back to move to 1-1 one and one on the season. Hopefully, when we talk next, we'll be talking about the changes they made to, for the better, talking about how the lineup looked more seasoned after one game. Hopefully, we won't be ranting and raving that the defense was still at F quality. Hopefully, we'll talk about it was more a C plus, B would be more better for me than F. Yeah, above average. Right. I'll take you- average than uh, yeah, exactly. That's the best we can do for now, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you said Saturday, I was thinking back to some good old good times when Saturday nights for the Bulls means WGN. Now <laughs> that tradition over. is not is over. So can't look forward to that. Though I find a way to to be able to watch, um, have access to NBC Sports. Uh, when that's on for the season. So I'm happy that I'm still able to watch, though. The convenience of WGN TV is uh, is, is lost. I, I uh, definitely looking forward to um, a few, quite a few uh, games uh, for 
the NBA tomorrow, uh, Christmas Day. And thank you for listening to this Bulls segment. Stay tuned for our main closer, the Chicago Bears recap versus the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Bullock Sports Show. Acolytes, we're back for the final segment tonight on episode 53. This is Kyle Bears W over the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams came in with playoff aspirations, similar strength of schedule, similar teams, similar paths. And in a sense, mathematically and realistically, this was an elimination game. The winner's playoff slim hopes were kept where the loser's season was over. And somehow the Bears pulled out all the stops, beat Mike Zimmer and the Vikings to move to a 500 record of 7-7. Seven seven. Vikings 6-8, and eight, so their season is over. In no man's land, not good enough to make the playoffs and not bad enough to get a big draft pick. That's why finishing seven and nine, six and ten is never great eight and eight, because you don't get great draft picks in that win loss record. You're more in the teens, fifteen, twelve, thirteen, which is okay. But if you're looking to rebuild and re form your whole entire team, you're not gonna find normally fantastic players in that range. You can of course, but not always. Especially if your positions of need are quarterbacks, which normally the ones that are great aren't 20 and beyond. Has that been proven to be always true? No. But normally, based on science, based on data and research statistics, this shows more that the best quarterbacks are usually drafted earlier in the first round. Not always, but normally. And... The Vikings came in of high hopes this year, led again by Dalvin Cook, the star running back. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's a good song. The Yeah, and then of course I heard more panic at the disco uh, during British Open. <laughs> so. Yeah, and. This team, the Vikings, started off in the season abysmal. And that's not an understatement at all. Picture Chicago Bulls bad last year, that bad. They lost almost all their beginning games to start off at 1-5. and five. Horrible record. They missed the turn fiends round for a time and get almost to above 500 record and there was a time when they beat the Bears a couple weeks ago and they continued and beat the teams they should. They could have reached 7-5, and five, which is fine, and more on the way towards the playoffs. But they didn't take advantage of playing shitty teams and they lost to those crap teams like the Cowboys they lost to. Some of our crap teams shot themselves in the foot. And now here we are, 6-8, and eight, where they could have been maybe 7-5 and five if everything had gotten right. 
They just had a topsy-turvy season, playing like pure crap, playing pretty well against the lower bottom feeders, and then some of the bottom feeders playing bad, and then overall bad. Whereas the Bears, we said it every day, every week, every minute, every hour, every second. They started off with that 5-1 and one record, looking good. Sounds like a sting in the police song. <laughs> it does. Started off good. And then... Or, or, or P. Diddy and Faith Evans and 112. Right. Started off they're, good. Yeah. Uh, and then... <laughs> blew up. And lost well, six They're doing better, though. They but, have uh, been... We, we kind of... We got to miss... I uh, missed seeing them play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah... Uh, we started five and one, then we fell to. Oh yeah, totally stink. Really bad, and then we won against the Texans, who are garbage, and now we won this one. So now we're seven and seven, which is not awful. If the best we can finish is nine and seven, which is fine, but a team that was five and one at one point only finishes nine and seven. That's not as good as a team that fin started one and five and finished. Um, Nine seven, that'd be like okay. They did pretty well. They came back. Was only able to lose two games the rest of the year. Fine ending for that team. And the this game, good job by Mitch Trubisky. He he started this one again, and for the whole season, Mitch Trubisky, he always is good out of the pocket. That's his strong point. In college at North Carolina, that's his strong point, and in the NFL. The few seasons he's been quarterback, he's proven he's a mobile guy on the run and out of the pocket is where he excels with the dink and dunk passes. Nice, quick throwdowns down the field to Alan Robson, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. He's not going to throw deep Aaron Rodgers-like bombs or Tom Brady-like bombs all the time, which is not his game. But... For a long time, Matt and I, he's like, I want him to be in the pocket, unmobile, slow, and shotgun only. And that never worked. So finally, Matt and I, seemed to see, show, um, see the light and realize that Mr. Trubisky out of the pocket is his best asset for this offense. And he has been taking advantage of poor teams. He played great against the Texans. Played well against the Lions, even though he lost. And he had that bad fumble in that game, but overall he played pretty well. And then played fine in this game against the Vikings. And the Bears' D was pretty bad again. It wasn't great, but the offense was good enough to get the W, which is all I'm asking for. It's great when the offense has a good game and the Bears' defense played poor, but the offense helped them most of the season. It's been the defense played pretty well and the offense played... F quality, but this game the offense played B plus, A minus quality, and the defense was at D plus quality, but good enough to get the W, took care of business against an inferior opponent or similar opponent, probably more middle of the same trajectory. And moving on, we finished the game against the Vikings, beat them, eliminated them from the playoff, chase. And now we are 7-7, seven and seven, previewing the next game. We're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in Jacksonville, who are 
one win now, one week one against the Colts, have not won ever since. They've had some injuries. Their quality and talent is pretty bad. They've been shuffling quarterbacks. They had former Bear Mike Glennon starting. They had six-round pick from Washington State, Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania. He was starting. He started the last one they played. And they are in the hunt to get Trevor Lawrence from Clemson in the draft. If they stay where they are and lose every game, they will, based on data and mathematical programming, will get the number one pick, even if the Jets don't win again, based on strength of schedule, opponents, common opponents, and data. The Jaguars would hold that one spot if both teams finished with one win. And... You never want to say a team is going to tank or try to lose, but if any game is that game and it's this game, the Jaguars don't want to win this game. They want to lose and get Trevor Lawrence at the end of the year. He'll be their big acquisition. He'll make it seem that this whole season, even though they played F the whole year, they were able to get such a good potential quarterback. And that's why I don't believe they're going to try very hard. They're going to try to not lose in epic fashion so to speak but they're not going to do anything amazing to try to get this W because that would just be disastrous for the Jaguars because losing is a strategy and losing for them would be the best result in this game whereas the Bears I think they honestly got to win this one because they already moved past tanking with that 7-7 seven and seven record now, to tank the rest of the year and lose to be 7-9, that wouldn't be very good. The draft prospects aren't great in that range. So at this point, honestly, they should just win out, try to get 9-7, sneak in maybe as that 7th seed in the playoffs, take on the New Orleans Saints probably, based on current projections, and maybe upset them, try to win. Because I would probably be more comfortable at this point with a playoff berth than a team where they finished 9-7 and didn't make the playoffs, or 7-9 didn't make the playoffs. And as a fan, can you ask, is there mathematically, how can they make the playoffs? It's pretty simple. They beat the Jaguars, beat the Green Bay Packers, final game of the year. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have nothing to play for. Hopefully they already sewed up that one seed and the bye. So... They may start Dorian Love off the bench, start this, the second stringers, and they won't need to try all out. And Rodgers won't need to break the Bears' hopes and dreams, crush them to little garbage because he won't need to try. They've already clinched, hopefully. And if they win those two games, they'll be 9-7. and seven. And the only way they make the playoffs is if the Arizona Cardinals lose one of their final two. So if the Cardinals lose, they're eight and six right now. They would lose to be nine and seven. I believe the Bears would advance to the seventh seed. I believe if the Cardinals lost one of two, I don't think they need to win lose both. I think they only need to lose one out of two in the Bears if they finish with identical nine seven records the Bears would advance based on mathematics. But I am not 100% sure. I just don't believe they need to lose. The Cardinals need to use both. I think they only need to lose one of two.
but I might be incorrect, so don't quote me. Don't put it in the bank. Don't write it on the calendar saying both teams 9-7, Bears go, because I'm not sure. But I think that, that would be the case if they finished with identical 9-7 records. And this Bears team's been so inconsistent, so all over the place, starting off hot, ice cold, well, I don't know a better word, frozen tundra picture, completely crap for, for weeks. Then they've been playing better the last three weeks. They lost the Lions, but played well, beat the Texans, beat the Vikings. Jaguars, they should take care of business there. And we could finish with a four-game win streak, potentially. And pretty much, I think, if the Bears make the playoffs, Matt Nagy, the coach, will be safe. Because when he talks to the McCaskies at the end of the year, he can say, I took the team to the playoffs two out of my three years here. And what, how can you fire me? And he would have a convincing argument to make there that in the free seasons he took the Bears to the playoffs twice. Ryan Pace, I think, should be fired no matter what. I'm tired of his crap. So I think he should be fired no matter what. But we'll see if next week, when we do our recap of the Jaguars game, if the Bears won or lost, if they lose the Jaguars somehow, then all this mathematics, predictions, hypotheticals, throw it all out the window, it's all gone. If the Bears lose the Jaguars, their season is over. So we'll see what happens. I'm forming all these hypotheses, all these potential outcomes based on a Bears W against the Jaguars, not a loss. So throw it all out the door or the window if the Bears don't take care of business against a atrocious Jaguars squad that is honestly a godsend with two games left. And our schedule isn't that great with the Packers who are great. Jaguars horrible, so pretty much it's a 50-50 based on how they've played the year. The more likely outcome would be to beat the Jaguars and lose the Packers, not win both. But they have been so wildly inconsistent that maybe it wouldn't be the most insane thing if they lost both or win both. Who knows But at this point, honestly, with this team. And I think that kind of sums up the whole Bears versus Vikings. Then Bears preview against the Jaguars. And thanks for listening to the Bullhawk Sports Show. I am CG Hawk, joined by the amazingly talented DJ Brandon the Bull, signing off here on Christmas Eve, one day before Christmas.